You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. So I described fasting as a desperation move. It's a spiritual desperation move for those who are hungry for direction and for deliverance. And that fasting is much more than going without food. Fasting puts aside a personal preference for a spiritual purpose. But I've always considered this kind of the power move in my discipleship journey. That is a tool in which, the, which God has given us as a power move in desperate situations. I, I have employed fasting in my life where I needed to plant my feet when the rest of me wanted to run away. Does that make sense to you? That when the, when, when the situation wanted me to flee, fasting was a way in which I kind of planted my feet and said, I'm not going, I'm not going anywhere. We do not fast to get God's attention. We fast because he has our attention, right? And on a spiritual and a practical level, fasting leads to breakthrough and it creates space for God. For me, something interesting happened in fasting for me this particular year. Um, so so I, I guess I, I said I've, I've been, I have fasted many times in my life, but it was been 18 years ago that we began this beginning of the year fast that Gene and I and a variety of things happen in the course of that. But one of the regular things that seems to happen with me is I get up early. And it didn't happen this time. There, there was no get up early. Now, God and I have a deal. It might seem childish to some of you, but that's okay because it's my deal. All right? With God. And that is, um, if he gets me up early, I'll get up. Now, that sounds silly, doesn't it? Well, I can set an alarm and get up at any particular time. But generally, if I set an alarm and get up early, I'm still sleepy right? So the prayers when you're really sleepy kind of look like this. Father, I thank you for the... And then you try to pick back up in that thought, right? So really the deal is I, I want to be awake. So you wake me up early and I'm awake. I'll get up. And it, nothing during the fast, but then every day since the fast, 5.30 in the morning, I'm wide awake. Now for my father and maybe for some of you, that's sleeping in, but for me it is not, okay? So 5.30, up, awake, alert, praying, doing my reading through the NT40, um, and it's been special. And I believe God has given me really some good clarity and direction for us as a body. And I'll be sharing that with, with y'all coming up as we come through, definitely on that February 11th, that Serve Team Summit, that probably will get the first, maybe the first pass at some of that. So I look forward to sharing that, that time with you. Fasting is hard. I mean, it just is. It's, it's dis- it takes discipline to fast, whether, whether or not, however you've quantified your fast in terms of time, what you're fasting or the like, it's difficult, right? Um, it, there's no avoiding the headaches. Um, there's no avoiding the, the kind of the physical drag. There's no avoiding this. Um, and, in essence, I think what it says is how addicted we have become to, to food. Now, um, in the sense that, you know, the headaches generally come from caffeine and from sugar, right? And then you start basically detoxing your physical body, fasting detoxes your physical body and it detoxes your spiritual body, 
right? And, and, there, and there's, there's no arguing in the difficulty of this, but there's also, to me, no arguing in the rewards of this. Um, the rewards of fasting far outweigh the temporary uh, inconvenience that we put ourselves through. Um, there are rewards to fasting. Matthew 6, 16 through 18 tells us probably the largest reward there is in fasting. Jesus is teaching this during his sermon on the Mount that you can read in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But in Matthew 6, he says this, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. They wanted to be seen and known as a spiritual person. So they basically saying that when you get seen and known as that, then that's that, that's that reward. But when you fast, and I'm speaking to those people that are being drawn to his teaching, but when you fast, it's going to look different than when the Pharisees and, and the religious people fast to be seen. You're fasting for something deeper than being seen. Okay, so he says, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, will reward you. Now, again, in these, these 18 years of beginning of your fast, I would not be able to, in one message, outline to you the many things that I've seen God do, move heal and touch through that concentrated time. But, but one thing that I can share is around the, the, um, the consistency of going, getting closer to God, which I have li listed here as intimacy. The, my intimacy with the Father, it grows. I, and during fast, I get closer to God during a fast because it's not possible, in my, in my estimation, it's not possible to enter a fast and then keep everything else in my world still spinning at the same rate. Things, things, things end up changing. I have to alter things of how my life spins when I'm in a, a longer fast. A result of becoming closer to God gives me the ability to hear more clearly from God. Now, now, over the years, I am losing at a seemingly a rapid pace the hearing in my left ear. Um, can't explain it. I refuse to do anything about it. I already had to get glasses when I turned 40, so I, you know that it's enough of this uh, stuff. And my right ear is it's it's not it's not far behind. But but Gene and I, it's so bad that Gene and I have to pay attention to where how we sit with one another in different settings if she's going to actually try to talk to me. Uh, and she knows when I'm nodding and I don't know anything that she said. Right? So what I, have found, what I find in fasting is that God gets my good ear. I'm closer. And because I'm closer, he's clearer. All right? Now, the beauty of the clarity for me is courage. That when I know as good as I can know anything that God has spoken, is speaking, is giving direction, it's moving this. When, when I know as good as you can know something like that, I'm much more courageous. See, it doesn't, life doesn't take courage if we just kind of stay put. But anytime there's going to be movement in your life, it's going to take courage. 
Now, I'm a great armchair quarterback. I can sec second guess myself better than you can second guess me. But when, but when I believe that I have some clarity around God's direction, whether it be for me or for us as a body, I'm a bulldog. That's, that's kind of a double ringed, isn't it? I'm, I'll if you don't know that connection, it's an inside joke that I'll explain to you on the way out if you'll just stop me. Um, and I find this is not just to me. This is what I, I feel like other people experience out of fast <clears throat> intimacy, clarity, and courage. Um, fasting isn't a shortcut to those three things, but it is a shortcut. I believe it always gets you there. Fasting brings you into the presence of God and it increases your faith. Now, I want, and especially in the context of today's message, when I, when I refer to faith, faith sometimes can be a nebulous term. I want you to think about movement. That faith equals movement. So when, when God wants you to take faith in him, it's to take courage in him and be willing to move in him. Faith equals movement. I read a story about the first person who crossed the, the uh, Niagara Falls on a tightrope. It was in the 1850s sometimes, a Frenchman named Charles like, uh, Blondine or something like, B-L-O-I-D-I-N. So it was said that he crossed in front of like 100,000 people, 1,100 feet was the span that he walked. And that was not the only time he did it. He did it multiple times. One time he came back and he did it on stilts. Can you, can you even wrap your brain around that? He walks a tightrope, 1,100 feet, some 250-ish um, feet over the gorge on stilts. One time he did it on a bicycle. One time he carried over a small portable stove and halfway through fixed himself breakfast and then continues crossing. On one particular occasion, he calls out to the crowd and says, who believes I can cross this with a wheelbarrow? One guy very loud said, I, I do. You want to go for a ride? No way, right? <laughs> there is the difference. Faith is not whether or not I believe God can do something. Faith is am I willing to go with him as he does it. So faith equals movement. And what I have found in my life and what I'll demonstrate briefly in scripture is that fasting plus movement equals breakthrough. Fasting plus movement equals breakthrough. One of the first passages or, or, or narratives around fasting that you can find in the Old Testament will be in 2 Chronicles. In 2 Chronicles, here, um, here is a, a brief passage and then I'll kind of extrapolate the story for you. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazion Tamar. Alarmed, and alarming a lot of times is, is the precursor to fasting. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. 
the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Fasting is a way in which to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him, and Jehoshaphat called for a nationwide fast. In all likelihood, the context of this would have been, it would have been probably a sunup to sundown fast. Sunup, sundown, as many people who could have gathered there in the heart of Judah, they came. They came because the king asked them to come, because they understood this was going to, this is a national, this would be a national emergency. Three different nations had set it upon themselves that they were going to destroy Judah. And so as, if you can imagine here, if, if I ask you all to stand, don't, don't stand, we're all standing, and we're going to stand for about eight hours. And we're going to, we're not eating, and we're praying, and at some point in time during that, a person by the name of Jehaziel. Now, what's interesting about Jehaziel is we have, they, they list his lineage out when they say that it was this man who stood. And it's the reason, is, reason being is because we have no, um, ever, we don't have any introduction who he is until this point, And he never once again appears in scripture. Never. In this one moment, in this time, as a nation is fasting, God speaks to this man, he stands up, and he gives the answer to the prayer, their dilemma of what are we going to do against this, these nations. And in essence, it'd be great to read the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In essence, what he says is the Lord says, this battle is not your battle. What's going on, and even though you're in the middle of it, what's going on around you, it's about me, it's not about you. This is my fight. And since it is my fight... I will fight it. Here's what you're to do. Movement. Here's what you're to do. Gives them a specific path to go. And when Jehaziel finishes his word, Jehoshaphat finishes his fast, the next day, the next day. Now, I mean, how many people lose sleep over anxious situations? Okay. I don't think any sleep's being lost here. Because the next day, and not based on direction, Jehoshaphat sends out singers and instruments to lead the army to the designated rendezvous point. I, I don't think you're fearful if you're going to battle singing. And it's not a great military tactic if you want to be stealth. So when you finish reading out this chapter, they are going after the worship with actually the only thing to go on was God's word. There wasn't any circumstances on the ground that had changed. The circumstance looked the same as it did the day before. What changed? They drew closer to God. They heard clearly from God. And their courage rose to that. The way the scripture plays out is when they got to the area in which God told them, it was overlooking a valley and three, these three nations, everyone was dead. The army of these three nations, everybody's dead. They give you a backstory to say that, that God had them turn on one another. Two nations 
word against one, and then the other two nations word against the other, and they were all dead. And what I really love about this passage is, is it's very specific to give us the scope of what we're talking about when it said that it took Judah three whole days to remove all of the spoil that they found. So what would that have been? Been weaponry? It would have taken three days to take away all the weapons that had been left. Um, I believe there would have been clothing there. Who knows? There could have been herds. They would have traveled. They would have had to eaten, right? Um, whatever money was there, whatever tents were there, three different, it took them three days, which would give you the indication that it was three times the size of their army. Nothing changes except God says, this is my fight, it's not your fight. Will you have the faith to move with me? Will you have the faith, will you be desperate enough to find me? Esther is one of the next stories around fasting you will find, the book of Esther. Judah now, Israel, is um, held... Um, they're in captivity, they're, they're in, they're in um, slavery to the Persians. Esther somehow wins the queen competition and this Persian king looks at Esther and says, I'll take that one. Esther enters into a regiment of training to be the queen. Her uncle Mordecai is a thorn in the flesh of a particular man named Haman. Mordecai will not bow. Mordecai uh, will continue to exercise his Jewishness over the ruling Persian Empire. And this one man gets so irate at Haman and the nation that they have conquered that he is out to destroy Mordecai's reputation and destroy Mordecai, and to destroy the nation. Esther, she's learning about being the queen. None of this stuff is on her radar. Mordecai, her uncle, calls for her and tells her what's happening. Her response is, I can't go to the king. I mean, there are very hard in place rules here. If I show up and ask for an audience from the king without being summoned by the king, I will die. There's, there's, there's no subparagraphs to this law. This is what will happen. Mordecai is very caring, very sensitive uncle. And he says, don't think you're going to escape from this. Right, that, that would have been sarcasm. <laughs> anyway, right? Don't think just because you're up there that somehow... Someone's going to miss that you're, that you're uh, Jewish as well. What does she do? She says, well, I'm going to fast for three days. My attendants are going to fast for three days. You get everybody you know to fast for three days. And at the end of three days, I'll go to see the king. And it's exactly what she does. I believe in those three days that she got closer to God. Wouldn't you think if you might die in three days? I think closer to God's probably something that would happen. I believe she heard clearly from God because she actually goes at this in a very strategic manner, very bold manner, but very strategic manner. And she 
shows herself to the king and he says, oh man, Esther, come on, what's up? What can I do for you? And then she plays that out several more days and what happens is the gallows that Haman was to hang Mordecai, Haman gets hanged and a nation is saved. How do you trace that back? You trace it back to desperation and a three-day fast. Fast plus movement equals breakthrough. The last one I want to share is, is almost, I mean, it's, those are dramatic, right? I mean, those are dramatic. They're, they're dramatic, so they almost sometimes don't seem possible. Listen, listen to Acts. Acts 13, 1 and 3. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menane, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, while they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. What's the significance of this? Well, Jesus was challenged by the Pharisees by saying, hey, we don't see you fast. We don't see your disciples fasting. And Jesus said, well, no, you don't because I'm here. You don't, you don't fast. You don't mourn. You're not desperate when the bridegroom is present. But don't worry, I, I, when I go away, my, my disciples will fast. And then you don't read a bunch of stuff about it in the New Testament except these kind of references. To me, the reference says, we do this all the time. This is a normal part of who I am. This is a normal part of being disciple of Christ. This is a normal part of the early church, why they were fasting and worshiping. Were they regular occurrence and discipline and when they had fasted and prayed, they heard from the Holy Spirit and they set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work of the ministry. Now, what's the significance of that? It's because when you, when you read the book of Acts, you read churches being established by whom? Paul. I mean, in essence, you can say they're, they're collectively gathered together and, the Holy, and, if, and, they're, and they're fasting and wanting God's direction and movement and where do we take this thing? And the Holy Spirit very, speaks very clearly and says, hey, send these two guys out. Send these two guys out. We, I got work for them to do. They hear it clearly. And Saul and Barnabas courageously go out. And you have to say courageously because you look and see through the rest of the epistles of all in which Saul had to endure. The stonings, the shipwrecks, the beatings, the imprisonment, and it never slows him down. Why doesn't all that adversity slow him down? Because he had heard and known courageously the path in which God had sent. And listen, I'll finish the sentence. And sent him. My wife always tells me my mind works faster than my mouth. So when, when, when you felt, when you know you've been commissioned by God in an area, the opposition to that is not significant to how you walk that out. It's real. You take it. You take one on the chin. All that's real, but it doesn't stop you. It doesn't stop you because it's God at work in you carrying out what he's given you to do, but we can only go and do what he's given us to do in faith. Faith equals 
movement. Movement. Faith is movement. If you missed the fasting window this January, it doesn't mean you can't fast. It doesn't mean you can't collectively call together some folks and fast for breakthrough. Um, here are the people who don't fast. Self-sufficient people don't fast. Dependent people fast. Self-directed people don't fast. Dependent people fast. Self-empowered people don't fast. Depend dependent people fast. Desperate people fast. The rewards of fasting, intimacy, clarity, courage. Some results of fasting. Fasting breaks the spiritual opposition to God's movement in my life. There are some of you in this room, there is spiritual opposition to God's movement in your life. God, God wants to move in you, through you, and with you. And all spiritual movement like that is opposed. Fasting is a manner to break that. Fasting increases God's strength manifested in my life. Paul said it was very clean, clearly. He said, when I am weak, he is strong. Some of the strongest messages I have ever preached have come when I was coming out or in the middle of a fast when I wasn't all physically there. Fasting reorients my desires around his purposes. This is one of the biggest things that comes out of a fast. I might enter a fast with one particular thing in mind and when I come out of that fast, my mind is more aligned with his mind. Because it's, it's not possible to spend that kind of concentrated time with the Father trying to listen without you being impacted and adjusted. It's not a time we set aside to convince God of something. It's a time that when it's set aside, he convinces us of something. And the fasting is a physically emptying activity that leaves you spiritually full. Whether you have fasted in this window or not, there are plenty of people in this room that have fasted. And the way we want to, I want to end this fasting window is that time of prayer. And I want to do it in this particular way. There'll be people up here to pray in three different areas. If you need from the Lord clarity and courage, you need from him clarity, come on up team. If you want clarity and courage, I want you to come down this wall and there'll be people praying for you over here in this corner. Okay, if you need physical or emotional healing, this, this center aisle, I want you to come down this center aisle for prayer. And if you need miracle movement, there is, there is something you know, there's something God's calling you to, there's something in your life you know he's wanting to move you, to, move you towards, but there is, there is a blockade. There is something there limiting that. I want you to come down this wall and pray here and the people here will pray for that kind of move, miracle movement in your life. The people here will pray for the physical and the emotional healing in your life. And the people over here will pray for the clarity for you to hear clearly and be able to move courageously with God. Does, it, does that make sense to everyone? All right, communion's always available to my left and right. But here's where you exercise faith. Faith is movement. I grew up in a tradition where movement to an altar 
was, no, was normal in the sense that it didn't seem out of the ordinary to me because I, 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 grew up in, I grew up in church in that environment. And I understand that that's not everyone's experience and it can feel very daunting. This is where faith comes in. I, I talk about this with our body all the time, that we gather in the room to lend faith, to borrow faith, and to link faith. This is the beauty of the local church right here. Not the fact that we gather to hear one guy talk. The beauty of the body is your faith connected to my faith, connected to someone else's faith. You may feel completely alone in what you're having to navigate. And it's times like this that God can vanish that feeling of aloneness. And and knowing that there are people that you know or don't know that spiritually can link with you for this kind of prayer. So much, so many significant things in my life has happened in an altar. As much as I've tried to wrap my brain around that, The only thing I can link it to is I had enough desperation and faith that I would get up and expose myself in that that environment. And I will also tell you, I probably have had equal amount of times where I sat there and I did nothing, believing, well, God can do it here. Well, of course he can. But if you start working that logic out, it's illogical. God could have done that with you sitting at home today. So at some level, faith and movement had to matter to you because you got up on a rainy day and you came to church. I'm just saying, let that thing breathe a little bit. Let your faith breathe a little bit. So I'm going to pray. Everyone stand. I'm going to pray. And if any of those three things, and and it might not fit, but when you you get up for someone to pray with, tell them what you want them to pray about. But I want you to move. They're going to lead us in worship. We're going to worship too. But I want you to move and I don't want you to wait. Okay? Clarity and courage. Healing physically, emotionally, miracle movement in your life. Father, oh, holy God. Holy God. You are present with us in this room. And I believe in the living rooms of the people watching right now. I encourage you in your home. I know you can't come forward, but stand up. Put it in the chat, what you need prayer for. Father, stir us, change us, move us. These are your fights, not ours. It doesn't mean that we can't, we, we're not supposed to move, but, but we leave it all in your hands. Do the things only you can do today in this moment, dear Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.